You're listening to Missing and Bird Women, a podcast. My name is Coda, and I am a woman who has always been interested in the psychology behind crimes. What makes a person likely to commit a crime, and what can lead a person to fall victim? I studied psychology in college and attempted a minor in criminal justice. I am by no means an expert in criminal justice or criminal psychology. I didn't even complete my degree, but I have never gotten over my fascination with true crime and wanting to help give a voice to people who have been silenced. This fascination especially applies to crimes against women, especially once I learned that the World Health Organization has called violence against women a world health crisis. On this, the second episode of Missing and Murdered Women, I'm going to tell you the story of Kristen Smart, who was a freshman in college just weeks away from finishing up the spring semester when she disappeared supposedly mere steps from her dorm room in 1996. Let's get into it. In 1996, Kristen Smart was a 19-year-old freshman at California Polytechnic University in San Luis Obispo, California. While she had been an A and B student in high school, she was struggling in college. However, things were seemingly looking up for her on Memorial Day weekend. On May 24th, she called her parents and left a voicemail. Good news. I'll call on Sunday. Unfortunately, she wouldn't. That night, she went to a house party on 135 Crandall Way near the Cal Poly campus. She was seen leaving around 2 a.m. in the company of Cheryl Anderson and Paul Flores. According to a police report taken later, Kristen was seen speaking to many men at the party, but left to go to her dorm room with only the two acquaintances. She was reported to have been 6 foot 1, 145 pounds, with brown eyes and straight, shoulder-length blonde hair. She was last seen wearing a gray crop top with black surfing shorts and red puma tennis shoes. Cheryl left Smart with Florence at the intersection of Perimeter Road and Grand Avenue, going a separate way to Sierra Madre Hall. Paul reportedly stopped at his own dorm on Santa Lucia Hall and left Kristen to walk the last minutes to her own dorm at Muir Hall. She would never be seen again. Despite not making it home on Saturday morning and not calling her parents on Sunday, Smart was not actually reported missing until the following Monday, and Cal Poly campus police treated it like a runaway situation since she was an adult and may have walked away of her own volition. The search for Kristen didn't begin in earnest until Thursday, May 30th, five days after she disappeared. Cal Poly interviewed Paul but also noticed that she had been seen speaking to several men at the party. Kristen's dorm room wasn't searched until June 5th, and it took five more days to search Paul's. The campus did not get the case over to an actual police department until a month had passed. On June 29th, the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office did a large-scale search on campus, which included 400 volunteers and a thorough search of Paul's room. The academic period had already ended, and Paul had moved out of the room. The officers brought in four cadaver dogs, and each of them independently reacted to the smell of human decomposition inside the room. That same day and into the next, police also searched the nearby Cold Canyon landfill for potential evidence of Kristen's remains. Paul was interviewed after the disappearance sporting a black eye. He told the interviewing officers that he got it playing basketball, 
and then changed his story and said he got it while fixing his truck. Interestingly, he told friends at the time that he knew where Kristen was when she originally went missing, and joked that she was at home with his mom. Kristen's parents, the Smarts, believe that Paul knows more than he let on, especially because he stopped cooperating with police early on, and the cadaver dogs alerted to his dorm room mattress. On March 30, 1997, the sheriff's office moved the search out to Paul's parents' house in Rio Grande, roughly half an hour from the Cal Poly campus. Nothing of note came of the search. Near the four-year anniversary of Kristen's disappearance, the search returned to Paul's mother's home with ground-penetrating radar to scan for evidence or buried items. Nothing new was turned up, but tenants of the home did previously find an earring that matched one Kristen was reported to have, this one flecked with blood. Those same tenants also reported an eerie beeping from out in the yard every morning at 4.20 a.m., like a watch or an alarm. They had moved into the house at 529 Branch Street in Rio Grande just one month after Kristen's disappearance and had reported that they had seen what seemed to be like blood spatter on the shower and on the shower curtain. Once the hearing was turned over to the proper authorities at the San Luis Obispo Police Department, it was misplaced. Six years after Kristen went missing, with no new evidence to her whereabouts, she was legally declared dead. However, the Smarts never stopped trying to figure out what happened to their daughter. In fact, in 2007, they searched Susan Flores' land again, even digging in some areas. However, this was a private search orchestrated by the Smarts and Flores' attorneys and did not involve law enforcement. The case experienced a revitalization in 2011, and since then the police have conducted 18 search warrants, recovered 140 new pieces of evidence, including both Paul and his father's trucks at the time, and sent 37 items off for DNA testing. During one of the searches executed in 2010, police excavated area near the Cal Poly P, a symbol of the university often decorated by clubs for school events. It was searched by the volunteers originally in 1996 and then searched two decades later by 25 members of the FBI. Police collected evidence but did not disclose details to the public. As of February 2020, Paul Flores was arrested temporarily while his home was searched and items including his computer were seized. He was released a few hours later. As of April 2020, the Flores' parents are still living in a Rio Grande, albeit separately. Paul lives in San Pedro now, about three hours from where Kristen was last seen. He has not stayed out of trouble in the years since 1996. In fact, he has been accused of sexual misconduct or predatory behavior by between four and 13 other women. The Smarts currently have a $40 million wrongful death lawsuit pending against Paul Flores, but it has been unable to move forward due to the pending criminal investigation. Susan Flores, Paul's mother, also has a countersuit against the Smarts for harassment. Kristen is remembered by her parents and friends as a fun girl who loved the beach and an avid swimmer. Other than a blood flecked earring found on Susan Flores' property, none of Kristen's remains have been found. There is currently a $75,000 reward for any information leading to finding Kristen and what happened to her nearly 30 years ago. Kristen was the subject of the 2019 podcast, Your Own Backyard, hosted by a citizen detective. 
She has continually held the media's attention and police have been mobilizing on search warrants against the suspected perpetrators in the past few months. It is more than likely that Kristen will be found soon, and those who harmed her will face justice and her family will finally have answers after so many long years. The Smart family has also set up a scholarship through their charity, Justice for Kristen, which hopes to award at least $2,500 to one female student from San Luis Obispo County and one female student from San Joaquin County who is pursuing a degree in one of the interests that Kristen had. These include a student with an interest in global cultures, an architecture student with an interest in community planning and green space, a student interested in law enforcement or forensic science, and others. More information can be found at kristensmart.org, which I will link in the show notes. The Smart family is also seeking donations to the scholarship fund. Along with the scholarship, Kristen's legacy has led to one more important change. The Kristen Smart Campus Security Act was introduced into the California State Congress and was passed with a vote of 60 to 1. It was signed into law by Governor Pete Winston. It stated that effective January 1, 1999, all public colleges and all publicly funded education institutions must have agreements with local law enforcement about reporting cases that involve violence or suspected violence against students, including missing persons cases. If Kristen was alive today, she would be 43. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Kristen Smart, please call Crime Stoppers at 800-549-7867 with the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Office at 805-781-4500. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of Missing and Murdered Women, about the disappearance of Kristen Smart. I hope you join me on this journey to tell the stories of women who have had their voices taken from them. New episodes come out every Saturday. In the meantime, you can reach out with comments, suggestions, or corrections to at the Pod on Twitter or Instagram, or email me directly at missingandmurderedwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Sources are cited in the show notes, as well as sources for music and links to all of the show's social media accounts. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends or leave us a review. Stay safe and come back next week. True crime fans, have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. 
Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! Cheers.